Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. Uh, we are going back in for more of my talk with Michael, the two chasers of the podcast. And um, stay tuned. Here we go. Well, I, I just think of, like I said, for me, it's in terms of skill set. So that there are, if, if you're 230 pounds, it's not that I'm not interested in you. In fact, I, I've been to bed with two guys who are 230 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's, it's not about just the size. It's more about how they relate to their body and how they respond to my touch. Mm-hmm. But there is a fundamental anatomical question. The anatomy of a 500-pound guy is different than the anatomy of a 250-pound guy, someone who's half the size. Very, very different. And so I, I feel like I'm almost cheating the guy who's 250 because I'm not set up for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not what's that's, in my toolkit. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I feel like there's somebody else who would be better at this than I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that gets back to what I was saying before about the guy who feels betwixt and between you know, you've actually got twice the population size to date mm-hmm. in, even though it feels like you're getting rejected twice as much, but you've got twice as many guys. Right. So it, 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 I think it kind of balances out. Fundamentally, it's never a numbers game. Right. Everybody wants to think, well, you know, my chances being 500 pounds, I, I, I lose this many guys. And because I live in this part of the country, I lose this many guys. And because I'm shy, I lose this. And they turn it into this statistical average. Mm-hmm. Well, if that were true, believe me, most people wouldn't have relationships. <laughs> I mean, right. if you look out and yet this doesn't seem to matter because you do see people in, you know, you do see fat guys in rural areas who are married, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it does. Obviously someone's doing it. Yeah. So it's, I, I really discourage people from thinking of it statistically and just thinking about it in terms of what are you open to? Well, and, and even just the basic level of like thinking about it, like a numbers game will never make you feel better. No. It will, it will it, that is, that is, that is, the only purpose of that is to identify why this will never work for you. Yeah. Or at least to identify to some degree. It's to give you an explanation to make you feel comfortable with why you think you are quote unquote failing. Yeah. And, and it, it's not that. Know, it, I mean, if you really want to depress yourself, think of it this way. You have a soulmate. It's one person in 8 billion. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be, you know, there, there's your numbers game. That would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, and it's, you know, maybe it's a little easier for us to say. And, and then the reality, the realities of life are that like, Dating isn't easy. And I don't think it's easy for pretty much anybody. Like everybody's got their stuff. I would say that it's not that dating is easy or hard. Some people are better at dating than others. Sure. I think we're, I I think we're really good examples, Michael, because I love dating (laughs) and you hate dating. (laughs) And I think most people are like you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think, so it's funny because my, I, I've, I'm starting to like, now that I can actually look back at my twenties in retrospect, um, I'm, I, I can identify some really, so like for me, dating was about finding community, mm. but I didn't know it. You know it. I didn't know you it. Were, so, you were trying to hook up, like, trying to find community. Exactly. Like yeah. I was trying, and I was trying to figure out why, like, it was like, okay, I'm on bigger city and I'm, but I'm looking for friends and I am actually looking for friends. And then sometimes it's friends with benefits, but I would feel guilty. I would feel really guilty for just wanting a friend when I knew that the people I was talking to wanted more than that. Yep. And, and, oh, and, and by the way, those people complain about the guys like you who are just looking for just friends. Looking for friends. <laughs> but the problem is like, I don't feel like it's that again, like the chaser imposter syndrome of I can hang out and fit in with the other crowds, yeah. but I don't feel like that's my community and I don't actually fit in there. And I want to find my community and I want to find my pod as to reference the most recent episode, a uh, full episode. And yet I'm looking for it in a space where people are looking for dating and sex and 
relationships and but that's natural for gays that's natural everywhere. for gay community no it's natural for gays because what unites what unites gay people is we have a same sex attraction mm-hmm. right same gender attraction and so yeah it's very common i mean and maybe i'm just old school in this and maybe it's different for you know people in their 20s now but you know growing up of course, most of your, you've, of course you slept with most of your friends. That's why they were your friends. <laughs> I mean, you went out to the bars mm. and you either made friends or you hooked up or both. And so it was very natural that like, if you had all your friends over, mm-hmm. you know, you've slept with half of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true in the chub community. Because right. I think most chubs do not having sex out there with other chubs. With other, yeah, exactly. Mo- you know, I mean, obviously some, but you know, in a dominant, in a sort of majority way. Mm-hmm. And most chasers aren't hooking up with other chasers. Right. And you might find a chaser who's, as you say, sort of like fitting into the regular world. Yeah. Where like, okay, I could go home with this guy. Okay. I could pretend to like this or, or yeah. I really do like this, but then, oh yeah. But then that other guy was really fat God, That was really special. And Yeah where they don't exclude thin people, but they know that something else is really exciting. And in your twenties, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always talk about, it's like going to the movies when you're 18, you will see any movie your friends are going to. You will even see the movies you don't want to see if your friends are going. Right. But by the time you're like 30, yeah, you're not seeing Maybe every you're movie. being more picky. And, and by the time you're in your fifties, you're like, if that movie is not in my living room, I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> and it better be a movie I want to see. Yeah. It better be worth spending my time on. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what you like, you know what you don't. And you have less, as you get older, you have less and less patience for what you don't love. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I mean, not even don't like, but you don't love it. Well, because it's, the, I think it's, it's that balance of, you know, when you're young and youthful and vibrant, like you, you, ha- you're just, you're a ball of enthusiasm and excitement. Even if, even if you're not um, effusive in that way, personality wise, you mm-hmm. have that youthful liveliness and you don't feel the drain on that well, nearly as much. you don't know the difference. Yeah, like, and when you get older, <laughs> it just becomes such a commodity of like, I want to share the things that I'm excited about and my positive feelings with the people that it matters to the most and how, and chase the experiences that actually make me feel really, really good and not just like, okay, well, this is a thing to do. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the analogy I sometimes make is like, oh, wow, I'm 18 and I really love red fruit. I've just discovered red fruit. It is amazing. <laughs> and then, and you love, but you know, sometimes red fruit doesn't go the way I like it, but that's okay. I really love red fruit. And then somewhere around 28, you realize, you know, some of that red fruit, some of them are called tomatoes and some of them are called apples. <laughs> and I find that when I take a bite out of a tomato, it's not as pleasurable as when I take a bite out of, I still like tomatoes though. <laughs> and then by the time right. you get your thirties, you're like, you know, tomatoes work really well in soup and pizza. Not so much. Just like. <laughs> not so much in pie. In, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, and but the apples, totally, the apples, they're red fruit. They don't work so well in omelets. You yeah, know? <laughs> that totally makes sense though. I mean, I, I think it's, it's just been helpful to like look, back and contextualize those experiences. Cause now I know, I know how to actually go after what I'm looking for. For instance, like I've talked about going to Baker Vegas and for me, it really is about fi- like connecting with the community that I know I'm a part of because as I have done that more and more in the last couple of years, like doing the podcast has opened up the door to communications with a lot of people in our community. It's so important. And it makes a difference. I it would, makes such a difference. I would say that going to a Chub Chaser event, you know, even if it's just like a bar night, mm. even if it's just that, but just a context where everybody's gay and everybody 
thinks fat is somewhere between neutral and sexy. If mm-hmm. you think fat is terrible, you're probably not there. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you're like, you are fat and you think it's terrible, you're probably not going to a chub chaser night. Because yeah. you don't want to be valued for that. Right. So it's, it's absolutely mind blowing. And then when you get to something like Bigger Vegas or Big Bayou or one of these huge events where being gay is normal and being fat is sexy and it turns the world upside down. And mm-hmm. I would say it is as significant as when, you know, a gay guy goes to his first, when a regular gay guy, so probably not most of our listeners, <laughs> goes to his first gay bar and goes like, oh my God, it's Oz. Yeah. And it's that sort of like, this is, you know, this is why I ran away from Kansas. This is why I came to San Francisco. Everything's in technicolor here. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will grant you, a lot of chubs and chasers do not have that experience going to their first gay bar mm. because guess what? It wasn't made for them. It's not for you. Yeah. So my thought generally is like no nobody necessarily knows where in that journey they are and it's it's really hard to have that that introspection to actually explain to somebody okay this is what i'm looking for and this is why and then is this what you're looking for mm. and and why like you, nobody nobody necessarily knows that but stuff but here's the good news you can say i don't know but i think Sure. Or at the moment, what I'm looking and for. This is where it comes down to just <laughs> finding reasons and excuses to communicate with that person about the thing, even if you don't have a perfect answer, even if you can't say like, oh yeah, I'm actually just looking for my community right now and I don't necessarily want to have sex with, with any of the people I'm talking to, but it doesn't mean that I'm not actually interested in hanging out or the other way around. Well, and I would say that if you really want to forward the relationship, even if it's a friendship, right? Mm-hmm. The thing to follow up in that, because what you just said is a really interesting piece of language, but it was very intellectual. Mm. And so something that's really important that will make an impact on the person listening is when you say something like, I'm scared that, I'm worried that, I'm concerned about. So something that would naturally follow from what you just said is, but I'm concerned that I'm going to lead you on and then you're going to be mad at me. Okay. Okay. Like that is huge over there because mm-hmm. saying like, I'm just looking for friends and blah, 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 blah. They go, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and a but, lot, I feel like a lot of people do just say that, but it's not actually yeah. totally true. Oh, and every chub's got a story of like, he said he just wanted to be friends and then he fucked me on the second date. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like what, what? Yeah, that's, that's not a mind fuck at all. <laughs> so it's, it, it actually will deepen the relationship, even if it never gets sexual to just talk about how you're feeling about it. what And, and specifically, what do you consider? Because I promise you, the reason you're not communicating is because you are afraid of something happening or not happening. Mm-hmm. That, is what's, that is what you're not communicating. Yeah. That's what you're withholding in the communication. That's that silent awkwardness. Right. It's two people being terrified to say something and thinking it'll be worse if and, they say something. And the more interactions you have with that person and the longer you go without expressing that, oh boy. the worse it will get. Yeah. And it will, it will, and even if you don't have the introspection to understand it, it will create a weird rift between the two of you. Even if the friendship goes on for six months, at some point that piece in the middle that nobody's talking about is going to cause an issue. And the sooner you bring it up, the clearer of a relationship you can have after that. Yes. Now, having said all that, there is also what this requires. If you're going to say like, I'm worried that I'm scared that I'm concerned that Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to deal with what comes of that. Mm -hmm. So 
there's a lot of responses they could have, which is like silence <laughs> or yeah. that's okay. They might even get angry because they've got, you know, because 99% of the time people aren't responding to you. They're responding to their past and you're in front of them. I would the say time. especially <laughs> online too, like oh especially in oh chat God. format. Oh God. Yeah. So there's that whole thing. And I mean, I'm thinking mostly of in person, but you're right. Probably most people are going to do this online, but you know, it sort of requires you to be free of, you know, it's not an honest, see, if I say to you, you know, Michael, wouldn't you like to come to my party? <laughs> <laughs> that's not an invitation. Uh-huh. See, that's not an invitation because you already know that it's not okay to say no. Okay. Yeah. See, it's not, here's how you know it's an authentic invitation. And by the way, I'm really in favor of invitations, but it's only a real invitation if the other person can say no and not feel weird about it. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't you like to come to my party? <laughs> or... Or, uh, uh, and, and, you know, we do it in subtle ways. We say things like, what are you doing Saturday night, Michael? Mm -hmm. Cause now you're trapped. Yeah. No, cause like, <laughs> yeah. And that becomes the LA thing of like, well, uh, you know, I have some plans that might come through, but you know, what, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. And then you still have that out of like. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, an authentic invitation would be, I'm having a party Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm using party, but it could be sex. It could be anything. Um, I'm having a party Saturday night. I'd love it if you can come. Mm-hmm are you available? And you're going to say yes, no, or maybe. Right. And then the only thing is, you, you know, you managing that yes, no, or maybe if you say yes, you got to show up. If you say, if you say no, then that's the answer. Mm -hmm. And if you say maybe, and yeah. here's the thing, there's a lot of maybes going out out there. There's a lot of maybes about sex. It's about, it is, it is worth the follow-up of either. When will you know? Mm -hmm. Cause like you say, maybe, uh, I had tentative plans with my sister, but we don't know if it's da, 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 da. okay. Well, when will you know? Right. And then the other possibility is maybe it depends by what you mean by party. Fair. Is this yeah. an underwear party? Is yeah. this a game night party? Yeah. Like a D and D party? Like like what kind party. of, what are you inviting me to? Sure. And in the case of sex, that's very often the question. What are you inviting me to? Yeah. So I, that's a lot of, a lot of things that appear as rejection are really just like Trevor has this thing. Remember we talked to Trevor and he goes, he goes, I'm going to say no, or I'm going to say yes. And what he, and I, when we first started dating, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Just say yes or no. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm going to say no. Did you say no? <laughs> and what he meant by that, you know, through, through years of marriage, I've discovered <laughs> that what he means by that is that he's calculating an answer mm -hmm. that will answer the social situation. Mm-hmm it's not actually the answer he wants to give in the sense of like, does he want to go? Does he not want to go? It is the answer that he is tailored because he feels boxed in by the yes, no mm -hmm. to make the social problem go away, which is you're asking me a question. Right. Yeah. What he wants, like if you say, Trevor, do you want a sandwich for lunch? He's going to say, I'm going to say no. <laughs> and what he means is I might want a sandwich. What kind of sandwich do you want? Because if it's this kind of sandwich I do, and it's this kind of sandwich, I do, that's what he wants to say. But what he couches it as is, I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. And just <laughs> avoid the issue altogether. Avoid the issue, avoid the communication, avoid the discussion, avoid all that. And that's fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's not going to get a sandwich. Right. Yeah. I would, if I were to sort of summarize all of this, just and it's, it applies broadly and specifically, I would say if you've, if you, if you're having to be really precious about how you respond to something, if you're having to be really considerate, maybe to the degree that you don't respond or that you're holding on to something that you know that you want to express. Or you say no because you don't want to take it, you don't want to explore that. Right. Like if you're if you're finding yourself having to hold on to something for whatever reason, 
it's probably going to make things worse, either in the <laughs> short term or the long term. At some point, holding on to that thing and not expressing it and not being communicative and I say this having been very, very guilty of this myself. I am mm. by no means exempt as recently as like very recently, you've got to express it and express it in a way like like Dan was saying, like that actually gives people a chance to respond to it. Yeah, let's talk about that, Chasers. Because <laughs> this, it, I find it almost, it usually happens more with Chasers than with Chubs. Chubs are like, what do you need? What do you want? Just tell me. That's, that's, that's how I usually find chubs to be. Okay. And that could be just my skewed sample, you know, cause they're responding to me. Right. But I find that a lot of chasers and I either, either see them do this or I, I have it reported to me by chubs. It's that sort of like taking forever to get back to you, mm-hmm. not getting back or getting back with a, you know, a possible maybe, you know, do you want to get together? Yeah, we could do that. Well, what do you mean we could do that? Does that mean yes or no? <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. are you free Thursday? Cricket, cricket, cricket. And then like cricket. Thursday night, it's like, oh, I'm free. Would you want to hang out? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or two never. weeks later, right. oh, sorry, I didn't get back to you. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. The point. I get promise out. you it's, I mean, some people do manage their lives that way. I get that. And it's not unique to dating. So, you know, Chubbs, one thing you might consider is that's just how they are everywhere. And you're just, you know, the victim of it now. Dealing, yeah, with- yeah. commonality. On the other hand, it can also be for the chasers. If this is you, it is fine to say, I don't know. And then by when will you know? Right. And then the chub can say, well, yeah, that works for me or no, that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Like I need a lot of personally, I need a lot of planning. Like if somebody says, are you free tonight? My answer is usually no. Mm-hmm. Even if I am free, I don't, what? Uh, 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 yeah, you messed up already, my whole night. <laughs> and you've already set your expectation. What, yeah, for what I've set my expectation be. for the night. Yeah. And you know, I'm also in a unique situation that I'm, I'm, I'm married and like a, a night on the couch with my husband sounds lovely. Why mm-hmm. would I, you know? Yeah. Whereas if I'm going to set up a date, I want to set it up, mm-hmm. you know, like there's going to be dinner or there's going to be lunch or there's going to be whatever falderall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm a, I'm a planner. I am too. And there's a lot of people who are not on both sides of the fence, jobs and chasers. Mm-hmm. But I think, the, the th- here's what people don't get. And this is especially true at an event because an event is really small time frame, big stakes. Yeah. <laughs> or at least people feel that way. It's uh-huh. not really bigger stakes than anywhere else, but it's only big stakes in that the guy from across the world that you probably will not see at the corner grocery store. Yeah. He's only in town for two or three or four or five days. It's not really real life. It's like, I call it dating on a reality show yeah. <laughs> without the cameras. <laughs> Just because you're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I could go here. And there's so many people around. Yeah. But I guess my point is it becomes even more important to do this in an event. If it does not exist at a specific time and a particular place in a particular form, you do not have a date. You have an idea for a date. Mm-hmm. So like at a, I'll, I'll do it. In a, I'll talk about an event because it's the most it's the most dramatic example. You're into, you meet someone in the pool. They're into you. You're into you, but you know, it's four o'clock. You guys need to get ready for dinner. Cause it's blah, blah, blah. So you're like, okay, I'll, I'll text you later. You say, mm-hmm. or I'll meet you or I'll get hold of you on the app later. First of all, you need to be available for that, but that's not a date. Mm-hmm. And if they say, Oh, I'll text you after dinner. That's still not a date. Mm-hmm. And if they say, because even if they text you after dinner, then what? And so you're thinking, okay, what do I, what am I going to do with my evening after dinner? 
because I might have a date with this guy mm -hmm. who's supposedly going to text me after dinner. Should I count on that? Should I not count on that? And so all of that nonsense and waiting, that all waiting by the phone, <laughs> mm -hmm. that really awful adolescent date syndrome, is avoided if you say, oh, uh, I'll text you, I'll text you by 7 p.m. I promise you, even if you're in the middle of dinner, you can text someone to say, I'm in the middle of dinner. Right. <laughs> like that's an update. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just giving things a concrete time form, uh, uh, time form and place creates a future. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it does not create a future. It's not going to happen. It's yeah. not real until it has a time. Form and it, in place. It, it also causes a lot of like, if somebody's sitting around wondering because, because they don't know mm. that sucks. It sucks. And the awful. longer you wonder, the worse it gets. Cause then you're, you're left in, and some people are immune to it. You just say, well, whatever. And they ignore it and they go on. But I've, I think most people are going to sit and stew and spin and wonder and get concerned. It drives me crazy when I'm in that position. And so I, do all I can to not have it happen to someone else. I hate yeah. having someone hung up waiting for me to figure something out. Yeah. And I get, you know, sometimes you don't know, but then you say, I don't know. And I'll text you and I'll either know by eight o'clock tonight, or I'll text you at eight o'clock and let you know what the status is yeah. so that they can make a decision. Yeah. So they don't feel just like, you know, hung up. Yeah. I think that's fair and reasonable yeah. and admirable. We can all do it. People, <laughs> we can all do it. Um, yeah. So anyway, we, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, we could go on and on and on. We could do our own podcast in conjunction. We could, the chaser life. Yeah. The, <laughs> the chaser hour, uh, plural. No. Um, I mean, yeah, we could go on and I, I'm assuming that for the next set of minisodes, we'll just continue to swap around. It'll be me and Don next time. And then maybe in a year, year and a half, we'll be me and Dan again. Who knows? Um, but we hope you enjoy the, the episodes. Uh, we hope you enjoyed your, your month of minisodes, and if Trevor got his Thanksgiving thing together, then I guess you would have already heard it by now. <laughs> I hope that that happened, and if it didn't, I'm sorry it didn't happen. It's very, very <laughs> mysterious. Um, very but yes, mysterious. we will be back in December with lots of holiday goodness, and until then, uh, watch out. Watch out. Well, there we go. We need it em emphatically. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs>